Hey, welcome to RUF. What's up? Everybody doing okay? Second week of school, Monday out, getting back in the swing of things. Cool. Hey, um, my name is Brian Thomas. I am the RUF campus minister. Uh, I love being here. I love what I do, uh, and would love to get to know you and hang out with you. And so, uh, let's make that happen. Uh, I'd love to know you, get to know you. Uh, if this is your first time to RUF, RUF is a Christian ministry for Western Carolina University, but you don't have to be a Christian to be part of what we do. Uh, in fact, this is a really safe place for you to come uh, with questions, with doubts, with struggles, with your failure. Um, in fact, we're a room full of people that really don't have it all together. And so you can relax. Uh, and what we do on Wednesday nights, this is large group, what we do is we open the Bible, uh, and, and what we're trying to do is learn how to love God and to love others. Uh, and so, welcome you into that. Uh, this semester, we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's, a, it's a funky book in the Old Testament. Um, it's a really important book uh, that we don't study a whole lot. Like, when you want a good word, you want some encouragement, typically Ecclesiastes is not where you go. Oh, man, i got to go there. Chapter 3, Ecclesiastes, is going to change my life. Um, but it's actually a really famous, it's a really famous book. It's interesting. It's everywhere, and we don't even know it. For instance, I'll give you another example. I'll probably do this every week. U2, we got any U2 fans? Yeah. <laughs> that was lame. That was so lame. U2, greatest band ever. Maybe one of the greatest bands ever. Anyway, U2 wrote a song called The Wanderer. Uh, and it, it featured, I thought this was cool, it features Johnny Cash on lead vocals. Uh, and the whole song is based on the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like every lyric, they were just pulling right from the book of Ecclesiastes. Really cool. Uh, and so the book has a lot to teach us. Um, and so if you want, if you've got Bibles, if you don't, there's a, a piece of paper somewhere around you. If you don't have one in front of you, Look around. Somebody let you borrow theirs. Uh, turn to Ecclesiastes 2. So last week we we're in chapter 1. This week we're in chapter 2. We're just going to look at the first 11 verses. Uh, and so, if you've got your Bible, go there. Uh, if you don't, just look at that piece of paper that's around you. Um, but before we dive in, I'm going to pray for us. Is that cool? Let's do that. Uh, God, you're good. Thank you uh, that you are not hiding, uh, that you are actually speaking um, through your word, uh, and you give it to us because you love us, uh, Lord. And so help us be good listeners. Help us uh, be receptive, uh, Lord. And would we meet Jesus? Would we see Jesus? Um, we pray and ask in his name. Amen. Uh, if you have uh, heard a pop radio station lately or just been awake, Okay, uh, you've probably heard a song called Habits by this lady, she's Swedish, named Tove Lowe. Okay, Tove Lowe. Uh, in fact, today I was getting on, not, not getting on my car, actually getting in my car. <laughs> Although you can do that. Uh, I was getting in my car, literally the song on the radio was this song, Habits. Uh, anyway, uh, it's been on the top of Billboard charts. It's everywhere, blowing up the airwaves. Uh, it's really catchy. I mean, it's got a hook, right? Uh, and so, but behind the catchy hook 
if, if you stop, it's really interesting if you go actually just read the lyrics. Uh, the song is all about how people run to pleasure to find meaning in life uh, or to deal with life. It's, it's, it's a song. It's, all the lyrics are about is how we run to pleasure to deal with feeling meaningless, right? Or to deal with hurts or pains or just try to understand the world, we run to pleasure. And so the song is obviously like any really good song. It's about a breakup, right? Um, and so anyway, the, the, the chorus is something like this. I'm not going to sing it, but just so you'll know. Um, she got, when, what's the thing she says all the time? She goes, uh, I got to stay high all the time to keep you off my mind, right? And then she's got that little thing she does. Some of y'all are doing it right now. Got to stay high all the time to forget I'm missing you. And so uh, what does she do throughout the rest of the song? If you go and you read the lyrics, what does she do? Well, she runs to pleasure uh, to kind of deal with this breakup. And in, the, and in the song, I mean, she's binging on food. You know that part where she's like binging on, my, on the Twinkies? Which, by the way, she does not think Twinkies like we... She's thinking cookies, by the way. I watched an interview. I was like, man, she's not eating Twinkies like the, the classic American food, right? Um, no, she's binging on Twinkies. She's getting wasted um, and, and just sleeping around. It's really wild. Uh, and then the last part of the song, right before the final chorus, uh, she goes... Uh, and I think this is, this is pretty amazing. She goes, staying in my play pretend... Where the fun ain't got no end. Can't go home alone again. Need someone to numb the pain. So she's just one night stand. going to sleep around. Try to numb the pain. Try to deal with life. To handle the meaningless we feel sometimes. To handle the meaningless she feels. What does she do? She runs to pleasure. Um, and so the reality is we're all running after pleasure at some, at some point. Um, and pleasure is a good thing. Like, and, and by the way, I can tell some of y'all are already thinking, this is not like a talk about sex, okay? Like, it's not. Uh, sex will come up. Um, but we'll see that in this chapter 2, the verses that we're going to read, there's actually tons of different types, different ways that we find pleasure. And so we're going to kind of talk about all of them. Anyway, um, God is kind of, he's given us good things to enjoy. Like, pleasure can be a good thing. Um, but the problem with pleasure is that it doesn't last, right? And I think we've all experienced this. Uh, pleasure, it wears off. You, you know, you always need more. You always need more and more, but it never satisfies. And so the big idea for us to think about is, and I'm going to talk about this again and again, is like pleasure is a good thing. I don't want you to hear me saying it's not. Um, it's actually a gift from God. But it's a terrible savior, and that's what we typically try to do with pleasure, is we actually try to take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing. We actually try to use it to save us. So, uh, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11, and he's going to help us rethink pleasure. Um, and so we're going to ask just a few questions to kind of work our way through the passage. Really basic questions, okay? First, what, he did, what did he do? Alright, so that's like the first main point. What did he do? Look at verse 1. He kind of tells you right up front. That's what I appreciate about this dude, uh, the author. He goes, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. 
Okay, so he kind of tells you up front, and then he's going to kind of unpack that. He's going to kind of unpack that for us. Uh, he's saying, this is basically what he said. Uh, he's really honest. I'm about to indulge myself with every pleasure possible to test whether or not the hole in my life can be filled. Right? And to do this, he will, like, this is basically what he's about to do. Um, he will make his personal fulfillment the chief end in life. Like, his personal fulfillment is the chief end. It is the supreme goal, right? Now, I don't know about you, I think this is how many of us show up to college. Like, that's really kind of our motto walking into college. Uh, we kind of we show up with one supreme goal. We show up with one chief end, and that is our own personal happiness. I did. I did. I was like Van Wilder. It was crazy. Like, I stepped on campuses, and I was like, the world is mine. It's going to be awesome. And, and I was going to pursue every sort of pleasure I could. And so we go. Even if you got good goals, like good grades, why are you going to make good grades? You want to get an awesome internship. Why do you want to get an awesome internship? Because you want to make a load of cash, right? Let's just keep it real. Like, you would love to make a lot of money. Um, and so we kind of step into college thinking about our own personal happiness. I did it. If you, did, if you don't, that's great. I'm really messed up, okay? And so let's keep going. And so right out of the gate, the Bible raises a question in Ecclesiastes 2 that I think is a phenomenal question. And it's one I, we've probably all asked, and I bet some, some of you may be asking this question right now. Um, and it's this. Is there anything that can satisfy the human heart? That's kind of the question right out the gate that it's implying, right? Is there anything that can satisfy my heart? And that's exactly what this guy, the author, is, is, is about to set out to determine. Through every pleasure imaginable, can my heart be satisfied? And so, let's get into the good stuff. How did he do it? Okay? And that's what you get in verses 2 through 8. All right, so this author, King, he's a king, remember? Uh, this author, King, says, I will test you hard. Like he's talking to himself. We all do that. I have conversations with myself. It's really weird, I'm sure. Hopefully nobody ever sees me. I do it in the car. and uh, It's just kind of how I process. Anyway, he's meaning, like, I'm literally about to experiment. Okay? Um, and so how did he test himself? He pursued nine things. And I listed them at the bottom of your paper just so you can see it clearly. And the verse that it kind of corresponds with, because we're not going to be able to talk about every one of them for a long time, but I just wanted you to see it. Um, they're at the bottom of that sheet that was in the seats. Uh, so anyway, he pursued the nine things that have always brought human beings pleasure. Right? And you see them. And so let's just talk about a couple. Check out verses 2 and 3. Um, laughter... I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, right? My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. And so you see two things right away of the nine. Laughter and alcohol. Um, so let's just think about those things. Like laughter is a gift. Okay, it's a good thing. Humor's good. Uh, but it cannot always hide or fix the hurts of a broken world. And that's often what we try to use laughter for, is just kind of cover up really a big wound. 
that we carry around, right? We're to deal with some really uncomfortable situation. <laughs> Sometimes I've literally known people like this, and I bet you have too. Uh, I have known people that are really making it through life with laughter. Like it's the only way they know how to get through life. Is there's, everything's a joke. Everything's humorous. There's never a time to be serious, grieve, mourn. No, it's just I've got I to gotta deal with life, and so I'm going to do it with laughter. Uh, they, I've seen people deal with insecurity with laughter. I do that sometimes when it's kind of uncomfortable. I just make a sarcastic joke just to kind of, <laughs> it's awkward, and so I've got to do something, you know? Um, sometimes laughter isn't just a coping mechanism, right? We use it often as a coping mechanism. Um, sometimes laughter can be wrong. Like, sometimes laughter can actually be morally wrong. Uh, we laugh at things that we shouldn't laugh at, right? Like the drunk relative. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. The drunk relative falling down the bleachers at a local high school football game. True story. Um, and, it was, and I laughed. It was really funny. I mean, try not to laugh right now. And so, like, here's the thing. Laughter is a good, it can, be, it can be a really good thing. It can be a good gift. Some of you need to laugh more. Some of you actually, you need to laugh less. Um, but either way, right? But either way, exactly, see what I'm saying? But either way, here's the thing. This pastor named Zach Eswine says, and I think this is important. Uh, he says, laughter cannot save. It, too, needs a savior. I was like, wow. And I agree with him. Not only can laughter not save, neither can wine, right? Um, alcohol is a pleasure that people run to for enjoyment or escape, right? Um, alcohol, I, I think, can be enjoyed uh, within the proper parameters, right? Uh, but when we run to it for happiness, when we run to alcohol for satisfaction, uh, it will always leave your soul thirsty, Always. Um, and so the, off, the author even says here, I mean, I think it's amazing. He says, hey, uh, cheering myself with wine, right? Cheering myself with wine proved meaningless. I mean, he really tried. Like there was no drink in the world he couldn't enjoy and no amount of it he could not enjoy. And he did. Um, and so laughter and wine... Two pleasures he starts out with. What's interesting is many people could pursue those things, right? Laughter, wine, many people could enjoy those. But this guy was so rich, right? There wasn't any pleasure he could not try. And so that's what we're going to look at. Just starting in verse 4, he goes, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself, and the treasure of kings and provinces... I acquired men and women singers and a harem, which is uh, another way it's translated as many concubines. It's just a bunch of women to have sex with that's not his wife. Okay, that's essentially what it means. Um, and then you get, you get it when he goes, the delights of the heart of men. 
I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I went a little ahead. Um, and so this guy... Okay, I want you to think about this. Just kind of bring this forward. Because there's a lot of stuff like gardens, really. My grandpa gardens, really. That's not a big deal. Um, so let's just try to... This guy would have been on the cover of every magazine today. Right? He would have been on Rolling Stone... He would have been on Fortune, Forbes, Architectural Digest. I'm sure all of you are checking that out. Uh, GQ. Like, this dude was like Tony Stark. Really. Like, genius, billionaire, playboy. Uh, Beyonce would sing at his birthday party. I'm not kidding. She would. Uh, And there are a lot of single ladies over there. Uh, And so, anyway, his birthday party would have been crazy. And so... I also want you like I want you to get the extravagance of this situation, okay? Everything in this section is in the plural. He didn't just have one garden. I mean, like we're talking gardens, houses, palaces, parks, singers, women, plural, hundreds, unbelievable. Um, he had unparalleled wealth overwhelming fame he owned people which is really messed up right he had endless sex all the time Uh, if it's who we think it is which is king solomon he could have had sex with a different lady every day for over three years so y'all don't know what to do with that i don't even know what to do with that it's crazy uh so endless i mean it's wild And you see this at the end of verse 8 and 9. And so what's really interesting to me about this whole list um, is that sex is the last pleasure he mentions. Uh, Because it's typically the first thing that comes to mind today when people think of pleasure. You hear the word pleasure, you think sex. You think sexuality, something like that, right? Um, And not only that, it's the most common and powerful pleasure. And it was the last one he mentioned. And I think it's kind of like him saying, yeah, I did all this. And then it was like, his kind of, the, the, it was kind of like icing on the cake. I had endless sex. Right? And so the reality is, we hear that, we see Tony Stark. We daydream of this stuff. Maybe not gardens and vineyards, right? But we daydream of this stuff, and maybe not every aspect of his lifestyle, but we, we do daydream about parts of it. You know, wealth, people working for you, power. Um, many of us, I think, if we're honest, we do struggle with indulgence in some way. Um, cars, clothes, romance. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Um, when I was in high school, man, I, I, I thought about cars all the time. It was crazy. When I got to college, it kind of I started thinking about clothes all the time. Really weird. Uh, and so, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and the, the reality is we just cannot go as far as this author can because he had unlimited resources. Um, we, we all pursue pleasure, though. We all pursue our own pleasures. But here's the thing. Pursuing pleasure is really dangerous business. Uh, and here's why, and I see this again and again. The, the things we set our heart on often become an addiction, right? 
Uh, not only do they become an addiction, the Bible will call things like this an idol. Like we, we actually begin to worship this thing. Uh, and they never satisfy. Um, uh, they never do. Uh, and so century later, century, centuries later, there's a guy named Paul. He's a really famous dude in the Bible. Uh, a guy named Paul who wrote probably over half the New Testament... Um, when he was training a young minister named Timothy, some of you are familiar with this, um, and he's just kind of describing the times. He's kind of describing the world. At one point, he tells Timothy, like, you're going to see godless times. Like, godless times will come. And this is how he described it. One of the last things he says, people would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's kind of how he ends this section where he's training this young minister. And, I mean, that sounds pretty familiar. I mean, I think, I think the U.S. is a great example of that. Like, we really do love pleasure. Uh, we seek after it. We obsess over it. And that describes, like, when he says that to Timothy, hey, people would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, that describes my freshman year in college. When I showed up, to the university, pleasure was what I pursued. Right? That's just, I mean, I was, I was having a good time. I was chasing the ladies. I was having, I mean, hitting any party, cool, let's do that. Uh, I made good grades because I wanted to make a lot of money. I mean, I, I was, pers- everything was motivated by really a love for pleasure. One of those nine things on that list. I, I mean, it, I could connect to that. Um, and so, let's kind of pull it together. What, last question. So we read that. What did he learn? So he says, I'm going to test. And then he kind of tells you what he's going to do, and he describes all the different ways he does it. And then he, he kind of tells you what he learned from the experience, which is really helpful. Thank you, author. All right, verse 9. He says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I think many of us, many of us can relate to that. Uh, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, right? And this was the reward for all my labor. Yet, and this is the kicker, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, And what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And so this author, King, kind of, he takes his best shot at pursuing every pleasure imaginable. And he pursues it all to find meaning, right? To satisfy. And in verse 11, you see his unpleasant realization. None of it was enough. None of it satisfied. All his pleasure seeking was, what did he call it? A chasing after the wind. I love that imagery because, think about, you, you can't catch wind, you know? Like, wind's not going to stay. Um, you can't keep it. And I mean, nothing was gained, is what he's saying. Um, maybe some of you are familiar with a guy named C.S. Lewis. Pretty famous. 
famous. He's actually he is actually a famous atheist. Became a Christian. Writes tons of books. Really brilliant guy. Anyway, he talks about this. It's amazing what he describes is exactly what this guy is describing. He talks about pleasure seeking in this essay he wrote a long time ago. And I just want you to listen to what he says. I meant to put it on your little sheet. Uh, listen to what he says. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And 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 he ends with this phrase. He goes, we are far too easily pleased. And I totally, I totally agree with that. We are, far too easily ple- we are far too easily pleased. And what this passage does, I think, for us, and what I hope it's doing for you, um, is it, it raises the question. This is a great question to wrestle with. It's one that actually hit me in the face my sophomore year of college. What do we do when all we've ever wanted Think about whatever it is you, you want more than anything and you don't tell people because they'll think you're weird or they might judge you or they wouldn't understand, but you know it's there, right? What do we do when all we've ever wanted is not enough? I mean, just think about it. If, if you're like me, we're all chasing stuff. We're chasing all kinds of pleasures. We might not use that word to describe what we're chasing, but that's what it is. Some of you want a husband, right? And you came here thinking you were going to get one. Um, or who cares really about a husband? Let's keep it real. Some of you just want one, just one smoking hot date. You know what I'm saying? Just one. Just one smoking hot date. Uh, some of you want a 4.0, and you're getting it, right? So, you know, you want, you want to make the dean's list. You want to graduate summa cum laude, get the little emblem on your diploma. I get that. Some of you are always customizing toys. Some of you, think about it. Some of you are Always customizing your AR-15. Yeah, the five of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You daydream. You're going to be the only ones to get this. People ask them later. You daydream of the loophole Mark 8 scope. Which, for the rest of us, that is a $4,000 scope for an AR-15. And it is the man. Or the scope, actually. And you want that. You daydream about it, right? Uh, And we could go on and on and on. What do you do? And here's the question. Let's say you get the scope. You get the degree with the emblem. You get the husband or the smoking hot date. You get those things. What do you do when these pleasures aren't enough? Because many of you will actually get some of these things. You will get the pleasures you seek, right? And they're, they're good things to pursue, right? the grades, the romance. What happens when you get them and you are not satisfied? Because that is coming. I've seen it. In my own life, I've seen it in my friends' lives. You finally get that thing that you've worked so hard for, and yet you are not satisfied. It's awful feeling. And so earlier, um, we talked about the song Habits that you hear on the radio, right? It's everywhere. Uh, how we run to pleasure. Now, what's amazing is if you go watch the music video. Uh, it's really kind of dark, twisted. 
but it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. And it's an amazing picture in about a three-minute video of this passage and kind of what we've been talking about tonight. Um, in the video, Tove Lo is she's, she's seeking pleasure, right, to find some sort of meaning and satisfaction to kind of deal with this life post-breakup, right? Um, and, and you watch the video, and all the things she's seeking and running to don't work. And at one point, toward, at one point towards the end of the video, she's, she's totally wasted in a bar. It's not a family music video, by the way. All right? It's really not. Um, in fact, I, I don't know if I... Uh, yeah, anyway, watch at your own risk. Because um, it's very provocative, actually. It's extremely sexual. Um, and so she's wasted in a bar. She's making out with all sorts of people, guys and girls. They're all her friends. Um, and at one point, as the night's going on, she ends up in the bathroom. And she, as soon as she gets in the bathroom, it's, it's really an awful-looking bathroom stall. She gets into the bathroom, and she just starts crying. She just starts crying. Why? Because it didn't work. She still feels meaningless. She's not satisfied. She's not fixed. She still feels broken. And yet, all this pleasure that she's seeking is coming up short. Uh, pleasure is really, it, it can be a good thing. Uh, I don't want you to hear me say it's not. Um, pleasure, though, can't make the world right. Like, it can't make your world right. Like, pleasure cannot satisfy your soul. It will provide some relief, but it will not satisfy you for eternity. It won't. It may not even last a day. Like, it just won't. Um, and so, if pleasure won't, like, if it's not going to satisfy my soul, then what do we do? That's a great question, and we're kind of wrapping it up. Uh, what do we do when we realize that the pleasures of this world can't satisfy our soul? What do we do? And first, tell me if you think this is interesting. Um, the fact that we are dissatisfied by the pleasures we seek, the, the pleasures we seek in this world, um, it's a clue that maybe, just maybe, what we long for is something beyond this world. Right? And so what we've got to do, I think, when we get to that place when we realize, okay, these pleasures didn't satisfy us, we've got to look for, we've got to look to a greater pleasure. We've got to look to a greater pleasure. The author looked to every pleasure under the sun. And he could, because of his resources, access any of them. And the, what's the last thing he said in verse 11? Nothing was gained under the sun. Why? Well, we need a pleasure that can outlast the sun. Right? Like, we need a greater pleasure, guys. Um, and to find that greater pleasure, you've got to look beyond this world to the God in heaven who loves you no matter what. Who loves you no matter what. And that's when you begin to truly be satisfied. And you begin to find a, a pleasure that is actually eternal and that will outlast the sun. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us think about the things we chase and we pursue that are not you.
even though they're good things and gifts that you give us, they cannot satisfy for eternity. They cannot fix us. They cannot rescue us. In fact, pleasure is good, but it's a terrible Savior. And so I pray that we would see the true Savior. And we pray in His name. Amen.